Hi guys, welcome to Library Overload. This is Tavia. This is Susie. We are so glad that you are joining us today. Don't forget, if you hear any of the books that you like, that you want to look at, uh, go check us out on our website, and that's libraryoverload.home.blog. And also check us out on Instagram, and that's just libraryoverload there. Susie often puts pictures of her cats and her dogs, and we have cute pictures of all of the books that we're reading. Everything that we talk about in the episode, we try to post a couple times a week, so go check that out there. So today, we're going to just be kind of recapping what we've been reading recently, mm-hmm. telling you what was awesome, what was not so awesome. Yeah, we like to play catch up every few episodes yeah. and just talk about what we're reading outside of things that we discuss for the, yeah. the show. Kind of keep you on your toes. Yeah. Mix it up. <laughs> <laughs> I am not cool I at all. I loved it. <laughs> I wish you guys could have seen the gesture. That went with it. it I, I'm about as cool as my 14-year-old stepdaughter thinks I am. That's how lame I am in Which this moment, guys. Which is like negative guys. amounts of coolness. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So my first book that I'll talk about, most I only read it because I got a wild hair and joined a Facebook group for readers. It's called Book Depository. And every month they have Book Bingo. And so I was like, you know what? That sounds amazing. No, I'll, I'll have to tell you about it. Um, but so every month they have a different bingo uh, sheet and different prompts and all of that. And so I jumped in there. And so one of my prompts was a graphic novel. I was just thinking this is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, doesn't it? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes, it is. Heroes in a Half Show. Turtle Power! <laughs> <laughs> So I had to read a graphic novel, and the only graphic novel in our house is Batman and Ninja Turtles take on New York together. What? Uh, no, they team together? up. They team up. What? That's insane. So what happens is Bane is in Batman's world. You know, Bane. Yeah. The- Tom Hardy. Sure. It's Tom Hardy in a mask. You don't even see most of his face. Can we digress for just a second? I would love to. Okay. Tom Hardy is the yummiest thing that has ever happened to grace the screen. And in 95% of his movies, they cover his face. What else? It's infuriating. Wait, what else covered his face? Um, He was in the Dunkirk movie and he was a pilot and they have his face covered up. He's in Bane and they have his face covered up. Mm -hmm. Um, He also talks like this. I don't even think it's his Uh, voice. And what else? There's... He was in I was a superhero movie, it. Venom, or something like that recently, and his face oh, is covered yeah. up. yeah. I forgot that he was in Venom. But seriously, Hollywood, please stop. Maybe. It's a concern of mine, and I need you to stop. Maybe they're doing it for a reason. No, he's gorgeous. Mm. Oh, he's gorgeous. He's on my list. He's a guilty pleasure. So, Batman and Neat Teenage Mutant <laughs> <laughs> So, Bane is accidentally sent through a portal to the Ninja Turtles New York City. And immediately, you know, it's like, New York is mine! Ma! And takes over. Just like <laughs> is that. that how, is that how he sounds? Just like that. Okay. 
And so Batman has to come through the portal as well, help them out. Batman fights Shredder. It's really cool. I am willing to suspend my belief in reality for a lot of things. I am not certain it is Bane coming to fight with the Ninja Turtles. But it's Bane. I read it. Okay. So, I am not... I was talking to a coworker about this. I am not a graphic novel person. This is probably the third graphic novel that I have read all the way through. Like, I didn't, I didn't quit. I had bingo to win. I'm surprised that your fiancé only had this one in the house, though. He normally reads them on his phone. Ah, so he we don't have like actual copies. But when I saw Batman and Ninja Turtles together, like I sent him a picture mm-hmm. and he was like, if you do not bring that home with you, <laughs> you are not coming in the house. So that's why that's we have amazing. it. Um, so graphic novels, I don't think are my thing. I've tried several. I'm willing to try another one. Sabrina, the teenage witch has is actually based on graphic novels. And so I'm going to give that that. a go. Yeah. Someone was even telling me that like the new entity of Sabrina on Netflix, it's better than that. Interesting. Which that Sabrina, I watched one episode and it scared the shit out of me. So I quit. Right. Like I like Melissa Joan Hart. Yeah. The whimsical (laughs) one. No, I have the one on Netflix is terrifying. I haven't even gone there because I know it would scare me. I do want to keep watching it because it was really good, mm-hmm. like so good. But no, it scared the hell out of me. After we like I made Chris watch it with me, I turned on all the lights in the house, but it was nighttime. And so as soon as the episode ended and you have like 15 seconds to decide if you want to keep watching, he was like, do you want me to turn it? And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> so scared. It's about, it's um, we are the biggest chickens. It's really bad. But I gave it a shot. I just don't love it. And I think... I just I like to see it play out in my head. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't love having very little to go off of in a graphic novel. You don't like the word bubbles with whack, whack, pow, bam. Yeah, no, it's not my fave. We were doing all of the hand gestures with all of those too. We are Ninja Turtles. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was not my fave. Uh, I mean, the story was interesting. Like, I was a big Ninja Turtle fan. I love Batman. But yeah, I just I'm not a graphic novel person, I don't think. But I'm I will keep trying. Maybe I'll maybe yeah. I'll find what I like. I have um, never once read a graphic novel. Wow. Maybe it's because I find it hard to suspend my belief in reality so that Bane can travel through a portal to fight the Ninja Turtles. But Okay, you read vampire stuff. I know, like so that's what I said. You, I am willing to put my reality on hold for a lot of things. I just don't think that that's it. I'm gonna draw the line at Ninja Turtles and Batman. <laughs> whatever tavia i know i'm crazy all right the first book i'm going to talk about well let me have a caveat so i've read a ton of books this year i think when last we spoke i was on 30 something it was 31 i think yeah i'm at 43 now killing it but they've all been in the vampire series the dark the black dagger brotherhood that i've been that i've talked about before so we're mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not going to touch base on those i just i finished the series and it has three spin-off series or three spin-off books like novellas and mm-hmm. i finished all of those are you so sad i really am but she's very prolific so she's got one coming out in august that's one of the spin-offs and she's got the next one in the series coming out in december so, so i'm not, not too bad yeah and i've got um <laughs> so that i don't fall into the trap of not reading the books when they come out having to wait on them i set reminders in my phones with like alarms and stuff nice so that i'll remember to go buy them and read them wonderful yeah I'm trying to be a better reader (laughs) and person all around. Proud of you. So 
other than that, I've only read two books since the last episode we had catching up with this, which, I mean, technically I've read a lot more than two, but I've only read two that are new and interesting. There we go. So the first one I'm going to chat about is called The Girl Who Came Home, a novel of the Titanic. And that's by Hazel Gaynor. And I really liked it. I cried a lot. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a Titanic. It yeah. Can't, it can't go well. Right. We all know how the story ends. This is spoiler free. <laughs> just in case though the titanic sank yes it did i feel like they set it up for failure when they called it unsinkable yeah no you're just asking for it yeah. also have you seen that they're remaking the titanic chris and i were just talking about that no don't do it why not you the ship don't remake oh. it it's like it's it's ridiculous no chris and i were just talking about that because okay so you know he's scared of flying in a plane and we were talking about how we would love to visit Ireland. And he was like, did you hear that they're building a new Titanic? We could just boat to Ireland. And I was like, did you not know that the boat, that the Titanic left Ireland and then it sank? Also, did he use boat as a verb instead of sail? Yeah. No, he. he voyage? Yeah, no. No, that's that's on brand for him. <laughs> All right. Um, so. Well, I think back to the Doctor Who episode, The Voyage of the Damned, when he's in the spaceship, and it's David Tennant, and he's on the spaceship Titanic, and they're like, we named it that because it's the most famous ship in Earth's history. And he's like, he's like nah. did, did they tell you why it's famous? That's funny. Yes. We don't name things Titanic. We don't name things Hitler. Stop. It's scary. <gasps> don't I, do it. When you said that, I thought of Hitler, too. <laughs> So we're not talking about, like, bad Hitler. <laughs> right. We're talking about Trevor Noah's friend, Hitler, that we yeah. talked about several, several episodes ago. That was, I don't even remember when that was. Forever it ago. It was forever ago, yeah. Susie's researching. Episode 10. Episode 10, wow. Seven weeks ago. Love it. See, this is why you keep meticulous notes, because of that. <laughs> My notes for today's episode include the title of the book and the title of the author. I can't. I cannot. I know. Some days I'm really prepared. Some days I'm not. I'm really <laughs> a fly by the seat of my pants kind of person. It drives everyone insane. And here I come in with my my little bag and I've got three notebooks in there. <laughs> and a planner. And sometimes I even bring my iPad just in case. <laughs> All right. So I've digressed fully. The Girl Who Came Home is one of my favorite things. It's set in two time periods. Love. So it's set in 1912. Maggie Murphy is leaving Ireland, her little village, with 14 other people from her town. Now, this part of it is true. Like okay. this, they were called like the Aberdeen 14, and it was a real thing that happened. They weren't from this village, and this wasn't their names or whatever, but they were real people. So, anyway, she is leaving and she doesn't want to, but her mom has died and her aunt has come to collect her and she's taking her back to America with her. But Maggie has a boyfriend she's in love with and they've been courting for a year and a half and she's distraught to leave him. Sure. And so he writes her a bunch of letters. No. Anyway, so she gets on the Titanic, panic ensues. She actually is one of the only third class survivors. Nice. So she does make it, and that's not a spoiler. It's right there at the front of the book because in the other time frame it's set in is 1982, and Grace Butler is, like, floundering after the death of her dad, and she kind of is at a loss for what to do next because she dropped out of school because her mom is sick and she's trying to take care of her mom. 
Well, her great-grandmother Maggie mm. tells her the story of her Titanic days, and this inspires um, Grace to get back into journalism. So it kind of is Maggie at the end of her life telling her granddaughter how she made it, how she got the life that she had, and her granddaughter's like, you had this great life in spite of Titanic, and she's like, no, I had it because of Titanic, mm. which was kind of cool. Um, so you you get the chronology of the story of what happened on the ship in the 1912, but then you get the aftermath in 1982, and you find out what happened to Maggie and Seamus. Did they ever get, you know, did they ever meet? You know, how her life was affected post-Titanic and all of that stuff. Really, really, really good. Hmm. And I cried a lot. I'm noticing a trend with you. You love books that is an older woman looking back on her life and telling do you know why that is i think it's because you can get more resolution out of it that way because the story doesn't just end once the happily ever afters you get how they got there sure how she lived the rest of her life okay i think it's intriguing i do i love books set in two time zones the the women looking back and telling their stories all right i was just curious also i extremely hope that one day I am a senile, crazy old lady Mm. with a cautionary tale to tell someone (laughs) and someone takes down my memoirs. (laughs) If that doesn't happen, I will be fiercely mad. (laughs) Right? Yes. That needs to happen. I know. Someone needs to take down my recollections. Yes. But only after I've done some crazy things. (laughs) Like us going to Scotland and running that Airbnb bookstore. Yes. I feel like we could have some fantastic stories. Yes. That'd be awesome. Yes, it would. But The Girl Who Came Home was really, really good. It was a different version of Titanic. Like, a lot of the books that you read about it are just about the ship and what happened on the ship. Mm -hmm. They're not about the aftermath and how you go on with your life. Right. Which is pretty cool. All right. Sounds interesting. Yeah. Okay. Next book is The Psychopath Test, A Journey Through the Madness Industry. And this is by John Ronson. Did you pass the test? Because you are crazy. You're crazy. I'll use the psychopath test on you. (laughs) So this is written by John Ronson. He is kind of a big deal in nonfiction. He's he's written another book that I'm dying to read, but I can't get my hands on it. I'm going to have to get it on Amazon, which makes me sad. But it's so you've been publicly shamed. And it's about people that tweeted something and then got on an a flight for eight hours and came home, like landed and found themselves going viral. Oh, wow. Um, Is there more than one person that that happened to? Well, that was just one instance. Oh, okay. (laughs) But it was people who were, that went viral and were just humiliated. um, I thought that was a terribly specific incident. Well, that's, that's one incident that I actually remember happening. Like I remember this woman um, tweeted something extremely racist right before she got on a plane to Africa wasn't it a famous person uh no i think she worked for no i think she worked for like google or Uh something like that so i don't even know how this just regular person went viral but she did and by the time she landed in africa she had lost her job uh she was trending on twitter oh my god yeah like it was a big deal so like he he finds these people that you know were 
publicly shamed online and kind of sees where they are now. But anyway, so like I was dying to read that book. I couldn't, I can't find it anywhere. And, but I found this one and I was like, psychopaths, tell me more. So this follows him when someone actually reaches out to him to help them investigate this strange book that has been mailed to random persons all over the world. So he kind of comes in and starts researching it. And in midst of all this, he finds himself in a world of psychopaths and how they're determined, how they're labeled, all of that. So he ends up going to a seminar put on by a psychologist that says that he has figured out a way to spot psychopaths. They need to, um, there's like a, a huge list of questions that you must ask yourself regarding this person. And if there's more than 30 yays, then they're a psychopath. That's an extensive test. It is. And it also kind of makes you think like, but who made you in charge of this? The authority. Right. Like, on I this? mean, is it like the show criminal minds when they're profilers or something like behavioral profilers? Kind of sort of not really because like, so a lot of this stuff, That's the best answer ever. Yeah. Kind of sort of no. Yes. Um, so, but yeah, so he, he goes to the seminar, he learns the list of questions and then, um, he kind of gets to know this psychologist, um, and speaking with him more, he finds that a lot of the psychopaths that this man is talking about are, are really attracted to leadership roles. They like to feel respected. And so he, um, the psychologist has a kind of hypothesis that a lot of the major CEOs are psychopaths. And so John Ronson goes on this journey. He ends up speaking to a death squad leader from Cuba. He speaks to a, a CEO um, that was in charge of several companies um, worth jillions of dollars, like just you keep saying John Ronson and I keep hearing Ron Swanson. It is the same. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> and then uh, so he speaks to the CEO and then he speaks to someone in a a ward in England that is for the criminally insane. Ooh. But this guy in there says that he only pled insanity to get out of going to prison but instead found him in a room right next to serial killers and things like that and so he says that he faked it but now that he's there they've tested him on the psychopath test and they're saying that he's a psychopath ergo he can never get better ergo he's locked in there for life that's crazy and so john ronson is kind of like how do I deal with this? How do I, like, do I believe him? Do I believe this psychopath test? Did I now know, like, I know all the, like, the questions. And so he kind of starts going a little nuts because he starts thinking of people that he knows that answers yes to some of the questions. And so it's really interesting. Yeah, I think you would have a hard time not doing right, that like, to everybody. Yeah, need. yeah. And so, like, some of them, like, some of them have been um, associated with, Ted Bundy like so like there's superficial charm which makes sense they are copycats they don't feel empathy they don't understand emotion so they are great actors so superficial charm pathological lying also one that makes sense manipulation another thing lack of remorse or guilt lack of empathy and then they crave 
respect. And so they are drawn to leadership. And that's just very few of the symptoms, I guess, of a psychopath. Characteristics. Thank you. That's a better word. So yeah, it's, it was just very interesting. There's no real resolution because it's kind of just, it, it kind of leaves you on this, on this ledge of like, well, on one hand, one person has decided they themselves are the, the sole authority of anyone that is deemed a psychopath. But like, how are you the one that decides right. this? It's, it's, Did you give that title to yourself? You should let other people tell you you're great. Um, no, I would not be a psychopath. I cry too much. No, I'm saying that person. Like, oh. how did you, how did you decide that you were the person for this? And like, it's one of those things where right. you should let someone else tell you you're. Yeah, you know. like how? Yeah, it it's it, it was just really interesting. Um, yeah, it, it made me think a lot of labels and how people can just be labeled something at a drop mm-hmm. of a hat. But it's like, who decided that this is. Like, right. this is the thing. Like, it, it was a lot. But it was very interesting. It made me, you know, want to do another deep dive into serial killers and true crime and all that jazz. I'm concerned about your well-being. It's fine. I went to the library <laughs> sale on the next to last day. So they, you would stack up your books at the checkout. And if it was a yard high or less, it was only a dollar. And so I had like 24 inches of books. And I'd say about 50% of them were <laughs> true crime-ish. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I have several that I'm very excited it's to okay. Read. I have problems with vampires. It's fine. See? It's fine. And we'll be right back. We are just taking a quick break. Hey, we're back. I am going to start in on another book that I read because Tavia read too much smut. And can't talk about it. Uh, I wouldn't say smut. I would say vampire. Mm. But, you know, whatever. All right. So I digress on the smut because I want to tell you about something that I had just recently heard about. Tell me. Maybe I should save it. Hmm. I just found out that Anne Rice wrote mm. a smut series under another name. Yeah. About Sleeping Beauty. I did not know this. Yeah. It's um, The Claiming of Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally going to read this now. I totally knew about it. So... How do you pronounce the name of the thing that she read under? I don't remember, actually. I'm really intrigued by this, though. It sounds very interesting. I've heard it. I have not read it, but uh, it is on my Mm want-to-read list. You know, the 1,700 books on there. Yeah. Um, Oh, are we up to 1,700 now? Yeah. I mean, I work at a bookstore. Is it a problem? (laughs) I. Well, you know, these books I've been reading were smut. So the person that suggested it, she's like, hey, if you like this, mm-hmm. you should check this out, especially if you like vampire sure. you know, kind of stuff. This is Anne Rice's pseudonym that she wrote under it. I was That's like, what? So I immediately looked it up. I, I, It's something I wanted to read, too. However, the only negative thing I've heard about, because it is Sleeping Beauty, it can be a little rapey if you honestly think about it, because she's asleep. I read a snippet of it uh-huh. and was it not instead of waking her up with a kiss he wakes her up with himself all right um so she's pretty much awake she's okay immediately. With it. okay um i mean I-, I wouldn't say she's okay with it at first oh my okay but basically he wakes her up and decides to take her as a sex slave Ooh. so it's a bdsm book i see yes okay but i am intrigued by it sure i don't know if i would get through all three of them 
We'll have to see. Okay. Um, I know Anne Rice is a bit loquacious. She is. I tried to read Interview with a Vampire and could not get through it. Uh, but I am very... Hey, that's the last book I didn't finish. We were talking about that girl. in the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> there uh, we go. Full circle. Right? Always. That's so funny. <laughs> but I'm very intrigued by this smut, sleeping beauty, BDSM no, world. Yeah. Basically, the mm-hmm. snippet that I read, he wakes her up instead of kissing her. He wakes her up with himself. Sure. And then he wakes up the king and he's like, hey, I'm going to take your daughter, um, but you can have your kingdom now. Deuces. Right. Um, <laughs> so he's like, I woke you up. Your, your curse is broken. As a parting gift, I'm going to take your daughter with me. What can I say except <laughs> you're welcome? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Okay, that was a whole complete We're digression. On some tangents today. <laughs> yeah. We have not made it through four books. <laughs> but you know that's okay. It's fine. It's fine. Okay, so my next book is titled "Beyond the Body Farm." <laughs> I cannot deal with you. I know. I keep finding you, more body farm no, books. You're giving me a hard time about the Black Dagger Brotherhood. Gosh. No, I think it's perfectly fine that you read this, like, whole series. I think it's awesome. 17, but it's ser- just 17 books with three novellas. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> awesome. Ergo, I do not want your judgment when I read about <laughs> dead bodies. Okay. Anyways, I was not done with the title. <clears throat> it is Beyond the Body Farm. A legendary bone detective explores murders, mysteries, and the revolution in forensic science by Dr. William Bass. That was extensive. It was very long, um, but Dr. Bass has uh, earned whatever it is he would like to title his books. Now, is this a different one than the one that you talked about in the last thing that you read? Yeah. All right. The last one I read was Death's Acre. Yep, there it is. And this one's Beyond the Body Farm. (laughs) (laughs) But I do believe, I might be wrong, but I do believe this is the last one he did. (laughs) Other than... The Jefferson Bass is, is series. Is he still alive or has he passed now? No, he's still alive. He's like 91 last time I checked, which was approximately two weeks ago. Good on you, Mr. Bass. <laughs> he's so cute. He's a cute little man. Um, um, he's a creepy old man. Let's not... He might be cute, but he's got some skeletons in the actual closets. <laughs> you will never get over that story. No, I won't. <laughs> um, anyway, so I'm not going to wax poetically on this because i have talked about the body farm a lot um but this one was really cool because it talked about an explosion in nearby polk county tennessee which is 45 ish minutes away from here and where my fiance grew up that's the problem with him Although the explosion happened in 1983. He's not that old. Oh. So, yeah. So, that's the year I was born. You were born in 83? Yeah. I didn't know that. You're so old. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So, he talks about that and how there was a family with an illegal fireworks factory there. And somebody made a boo-boo. And it went... Sound effects was amazing. That was awesome. Yeah, guys, that was not CGI. That was like for real her <laughs> actual mouth. Guys, I have so many talents. <laughs> so good over here. Wow. 
So that was really interesting to hear about. Just, you know, it's cool to read about stuff that happens nearby. And then also he exhumed the Big Bopper's body, who was a huge... I didn't know who he was. Oh. Um, Tavy's over here nodding like, yeah, bitch. I know exactly <laughs> who that is. Um, I, I did not. I had to look him up. Um, uh, I went outside and I talked to people, so I know things. Well, I read a lot, so I had to sacrifice no, I, something. I will give you that because in the last episode, we talked about Lee Israel and all mm-hmm. the people she forged. And yeah. I didn't know any of those people, so mm, I'll give you this one. So, but he exhumed his body to clarify how he died because his he died in a, in a plane crash. Yeah, with Ricky Valens. Yeah, um, and another guy. Mm-hmm. But his wife, the Big Boffer's wife, was pregnant with his son when he died. So his son never met him. Aww. So his son had a lot of questions about how did da- dad actually die. Apparently there were a lot of rumors that he lived through the um, the plane crash only to die of, um, like, someone was trying to murder him. And that's how he actually died. So he had his dad's body exhumed so he could check him out would be the the motive for killing the big popper you didn't like his sick beats or something like that no idea okay. i myself did not attempt to kill the big popper so i don't have a motive um i didn't know if it was mentioned in the book no ma'am okay it was not but no it was interesting of course it had uh cases that he covered things like that you know all that dead bodies galore yeah all that shit i like <laughs> So yeah, really cool. If if only one person listening to this podcast develops an interest in the body farm simply because of the 800 books that I have talked about regarding the body farm, I, I will be happy. I also feel solely responsible for this because I suggested you read the, bo- the body farm books. You did, but those were works of fiction that I did not know about. I already knew about the body farm itself and I had out- already found several books about it right, i just had I, I pushed you over you the, did no it was a yeah. cliff and i am at the bottom now yes. um yeah so that is your fault yes ma'am okay. at the library book sale <laughs> so okay so backing up a little bit here's my tangent so backing up a little bit the body farm wasn't even a big deal it wasn't nationally known like it is now until patricia cornwell who was a murder mystery author mm-hmm. she wrote a book uh, and in doing research for it, met Dr. Bill Bass, asked him a ton of forensic questions, things like that. And when her book came out, she titled it The Body Farm. Cool. And that is how it got well known. Nice. And when I was at the library bookstore, guess what book I found? The Body Farm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy for you. I am so happy. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know how to continue on at this point after your little operatic would you like to talk to us more about some vampire sex? No. I think I'll move on. Fine. Go ahead. Are you done with your... Yeah, that's all. You're done with, with Dr. Bass for now? I, I get... For now. Do you think that you could lay him to rest? Or do you think if you find any more things that you'll continue? I feel like you know the answer to that question. That's true. Um, but I do. <clears throat> I, I'm 99% certain I have found all there is of his nonfiction work. I still have like eight or nine of his fictional works, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We all have our vices. Yes, ma'am. And mine is forensic. And mine's vampires. That's fine. And historical fiction. Yes, ma'am. Segwaying into historical fiction. Hey, oh, there it is. The other book that I read, I loved, loved this book. This one has been on my radar for quite a while, but I hadn't 
decided to give it a try until just now the library had it and it came in pretty quickly so that's the guernsey literary and potato peel pie society that's a mouthful too yes by mary ann schaffer and annie barrows oh it's two authors yes it is i didn't know that yes and i thought this book was just wonderful Mm. i cried in this one too Two books that made you cry? I know. In between and, all my vampires. And none of mine made me cry. Some Have of yours made me cry. Oh <laughs> <laughs> it's Freaky Friday. We switched. Did we switch? Yes. That's crazy. All right. So the premise of the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. That was a lot of enunciation you just did. <laughs> yes. So it's 1946. Mm-hmm. Uh, the war is over. And... Juliet Ashton is an author in London, and she wrote a comedic take on wartime issues that was published as newspaper articles, and then they put them all together and made a book. Okay. So she's looking for a story to be taken seriously now as, because she kind of wrote that as a pseudonym, Mm -hmm. and now she's looking for something to do for herself. Europe's trying to get over the war. Blah, blah, blah. So she gets a letter one day from this guy named Dawsey Adams. And he is writing to her. I love the British names. They're wonderful. Okay. Dawsey. So he's writing to her because he lives on the island of Guernsey, which is a channel island. So it's in between England and France and the English Channel. And it was occupied by the Germans during the war. Mm -hmm. So they had been completely cut off from the outside world. But now that they're liberated he is able to send out mail again. So he had come across a book that she used to own and her address was in it. And he wrote to her to see if she knew where to find more of these books. Hmm. And so they developed a, a, a friendship and they started writing back and forth. And this whole book is an epistolary book. So it's written completely in letters. Okay. Well, he tells her of the story of the Guernsey Literary and Potato Pill Pie Society. Basically, the island was, you know, quarantined. They couldn't get anything off. They shut down all the phones, the cables, everything. They couldn't get newspapers. Hmm. But as an experiment, the Germans wanted to promote that they were gracious hosts. Sure. So they said that you could form um, artistic groups. So That was very kind of them. Right. In one instance, the group is getting together, and they're actually sneaking a pig that they had hidden Um, And they roasted it because they were starving because they cut off all the food and everything. And so they get caught on the way home by the Germans. And they're like, what were you out doing? And one of the members was like, oh, we we formed a book club. We formed a book club. It's called the Literary, the Guernsey Literary Society. And one of the guys was like, and there was food, potato peel pie. So that's how it came about. Ah. Because he's like, I I can't go to a meeting where there's no food. Sure. um, But there was no flour, butter, or anything so the potato peel pie was potato peels is crust and mashed potatoes is the pie that's it was actually a recipe of the thing that they ate while they were there because there was no food actually potato peel pie sounds fun i love me some potatoes (laughs) i do too but i mean there was no butter or sugar or salt or fine flour or anything it was literally just potatoes and peelings (laughs) whatever anyway the story progresses in the book club saved this group of friends from loneliness and isolation during the German occupation. And Juliet goes out and meets them and befriends all of them and finds their story and just 
she said she felt at home on Guernsey the second she went there. And so it's about their story. It's about, there's a lot of other stuff that happens in the book that I'm not going to divulge because it's plot driven, but it's about all of these characters coming together to survive this terrible tragedy and how books brought them together and how this one book brought Juliet and Dawsey together. So it's pretty cool. That sounds awesome. And yes. that was a fantastic synopsis, BT Dubs. Thanks. Damn it, now I'm going to have to read this. It's really good. I think you should read it. I think you would like it, too. Even though it's set back then, I think you would like it because book clubs. Yeah. Book no. clubs and Nazis. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I love it when it talks about books bringing people together. Yes. Like, I think that's really cool. One of her quotes says, do you think that books have a homing device that bring them to the people who need them the most? I know. And that's how, like, she needed money, mm-hmm. so she sold her book, and it somehow managed to get to the island of and Guernsey. He needed and the book. He needed the book. Oh. And so he had her old address, and he wrote to her, and just, it was beautiful. I love that. Yeah. And there's a lot of other stuff that goes into it. Yeah. And it's about, you know, stereotypes and, and this sort of thing. And there's a guy who's courting her, who's trying to make her into something she doesn't want to be. So she's kind of running away from that. Mm. And it's just really good. And there's great hysterical characters. Huh. That sounds really yeah. good. Are you going to watch the movie? I have already watched the movie. Did you like it? I loved it. I finished the book the same day I went home and watched the movie. Nice. It has Lily James in it. I yeah. really like her. It was good. It was really good. It you know, obviously it wasn't as good as the book. Sure. There's some stuff that gets left out, some characters that are the development's fallen by the wayside, but this really isn't a big book. It's no, like two hundred and fifty pages or something like that. So it was a, a quick read. It was a cute read, but it was still meaningful. And if it, you can, if you can, write a book that's only two hundred and sixty pages and make it incredibly powerful and meaningful, like that's that's yes. talent. I like, was really sad to put this book down. Aww. I would like to know what the characters are up to now. I love that. Yeah. Um, so, and that's why I loved jumping right into the movie. Because it was so good. That's awesome. That, the movie's on Netflix if you guys want to check that out. But yeah. it satisfied all of my historical fiction yeah. book club love. That sounds super cute. Yeah, that was really good. Aww. So I finally read the Caraval series. Is that how you pronounce it? Caraval? Caraval? In my head, that's how I pronounced it. How I else was, will you pronounce it? I was thinking Caraval. I don't know why. Oh, it might be Caraval. I, I do not know. I don't think. But that's we, my, we pronounce nothing correctly. I'm sure. Yeah. Stephanie Garber is the author. So the final book came out a week or two ago. And I, I, I didn't know it was that recent. Yes. Like very, very recent. And so I immediately jumped on the library hold and got it like real quick. Awesome. Um, and so I read them all three like boom, boom, boom. Because y'all know I have a rule. I don't read a series until the final book is out. So I read them all in a mm-hmm. week. Um, I've been wanting to read this series. So a very quick description of it would be kind of a YA night circus, but with villains, um, scary villains. I enjoyed it. I liked the first one. I really liked the second one. I struggled getting into the third one, but then it finished on a really good note for me. That's good. Um, It was a roller coaster. It was. So, quick synopsis of the first one is Scarlett and her sister Donatella have um, never left the small island that they were raised on. 
Their mother left when they were children. Her father is a horrible, abusive man. There is a caraval, caraval, caraval put on every year or so. And it is a magical game that happens over the span of five days. You get clues when you solve, when you win the game, when you solve all these clues and you win the game, you get a wish from Legend, who is the magical man that puts on Caraval. Neat. And anyone can participate? No. You have to be invited. Okay. So Scarlet has written to Legend for years, uh, asking him for tickets, asking him to... Um, to help because her sister loves adventure and all this. And so one day he finally responds right when Scarlet is about to be wed. And Scarlet. Voluntarily wed? Ish. Okay. Um, It's a, uh, what's that thing royals do? Um, Arranged? Arranged marriage. You struggle today. I know. I don't have the words. I've been up since 445. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a long day. Um, so her father has arranged this marriage with another. I think he's a duke. Uh, she's never met him. They've exchanged letters, but that is all. So she finally gets tickets from Legend, and she's about to be wed in 10 days. Mm-hmm. And so her sister is, of course, like, we've got to go. We've got to get out of, off of this island. But, of course, their father would never let them leave. So it's a big struggle. And this is not a spoiler. They they do eventually make it to Caraval. And once they get there, Donatella is promptly kidnapped. And Scarlet finds out that the game is wholly suited around her. Oh, interesting. So it's it's very interesting. It's got the, the magical realism like the Night Circus does. But then it also has bad guys. And it's got... You know, life or death situations mm-hmm. and like scary and like nice. all of this. So it's very interesting. My biggest issue with these damn books were the amount of very colorful metaphors and similes. It's unreal. Like, I feel like her editor should be like, can we tone it down a little bit? I'll read some. I wrote down some, some examples. Oh, I can't wait. He tasted of secrets. What? Okay. Betrayal that reeks of love letters on torn parchment. I don't even know what that means. No. Mm-mm, mm-mm. The air tasted of wonder. His cloak was the color of melted silver. So like silver. It gets a little different when it melts. Shiny silver. Luminescent. It's more metallic and tanky. Okay, fine. Me- metallic silver, which, you know, is, is still silver. <laughs> Let the woman be loquacious, please. Girl, it was like every paragraph had a crazy <laughs> metaphor like that. Like, it got to the point where it was distracting me. I don't know what tastes of secrets means. I don't know. Find a man with secrets and kiss him. I don't know. I shan't be kissing anyone else since I'm married, but... Well, does he have secrets? Find out. Tell me. Maybe. I'll be like, Daniel, have a secret and then come kiss me. And I'll get to tell everyone else what secrets taste like. Like strawberries. 
I don't know. Like <laughs> it got to the point where it was so noticeable that I would crack up in like serious moments. Like mm-hmm. she just kissed a man and he tasted like secrets and I'm laughing. I do that sometimes with the overly used phrases in books. Yes. Like there was a big thing going about that like the breath you didn't know you yeah. were holding. Like Yeah. And it cracks me up when I read it now. Yeah. Like how do you not know? Like girl breathes. Everybody. But I, I can kind of get it. Like sometimes you're like so excited you don't realize you're. Sure. Mine Um, I notice sometimes is. I unclenched the fist I did not know I had made. Like, <laughs> like what is your body acting without mm-hmm. your brain? Like, what's <laughs> but no, it got to the point where I was cracking up, and Chris and I were on a um, were on a long drive, and I started reading them out loud to him, and he's like, "What are you reading?" <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Wow. Um, but I mean, I liked them. They were fun. I really, really liked the way they ended. Like, I feel like it was, in, it ended nicely. But yeah, I, I just the metaphors, man. Like, I, it, I kind of want to read it because I want to, I want to know about secrets and no, what they taste like. Like the whole thing, the whole thing is like that. And uh, it, so the main girl, her name is Scarlet. So everything was shades of ruby, shades of garnet. Like, it's just quit it. <laughs> it's it's red. That's funny. <laughs> Drive me crazy. Right. But if also the, if a book the was color like. color of wine. Right. But if a book didn't have that stuff, you'd be bored, but you just need it to be in the middle. I need, middle. I need a good medium. I need to not notice that you're throwing up metaphors on me. Yes. But it was, it was so much. Like, okay. yeah, it was a lot. That's one of the problems I have with classics is because they used to be paid by the word. Mm-hmm. They have so many of them. Yeah. And it's like, stop. Yeah. No, this, it didn't feel like it was too wordy. It just, it was, it was just a, a lot of description. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really do. I feel like a really good editor would have been like, let's tone it down. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, you're, you're here. I need you to, I need you to be here. Like it was just. It's too that. much. Um, but I mean, I did I did like them. Uh, I, I gave them three and four stars. Um, nice. That's pretty good for you. It is. Uh, but yeah, there's just, you know, if just go into it knowing <laughs> <laughs> that you will be tasting secrets and um, the air will taste of wonder. And uh, his cloak was the color of melted silver. I'm very excited and intrigued by this. Yeah, you should read them. That'd be interesting to discuss. Absolutely. All right. That's all all I read. That's our episode, guys. Maybe next time, since my vampire series is done, I will have more to chat about. Yeah. How about you you read some other stuff, Tave? Pot kettle. I don't. Also, Tave? No. Tave? Tave, Tave? Nope. I mean, I could call you by your other nickname. Two other letters in my name besides the three you've said already. I could call you by your other nickname. I would almost prefer it. Nubbins, then. She calls me Nubbins because I have really short legs. Because mm-hmm. I'm short. She's like, what, two whole inches taller than me. I am five, five and a half. Thank you very much. Yeah, so two whole inches taller than me, guys. It makes a difference when you're carrying things and I have to pull you along. But I really hate when people shorten my name. Like, it's five letters. Can we just not? <laughs> it drives me crazy. The only time I allow it is my nephews call me Tay-Tay. And I, they're five. So. Can I call you Tay-Tay? No. Tay, tay, tay. Can no. I do that? No. Nope. I will not answer. I'll figure it out. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.